are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss, alongside Ulysses Sembrano, and we're the host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash unfiltered. On today's episode of the Locked on Rays podcast, we continue our discussion with Locked on MLB Prospects host Aram Layton. We get his gauge on a number of things, including his expectations for the Rays in 2021, which Rays pitching prospect on the 40-man roster he thinks will ultimately have the best career, if he thinks Kevin Kiermeyer will be traded this offseason. We also get his thoughts on the Francisco Lindor trade to the New York Mets and much, much more. Hope you enjoy. I don't want to keep harping on the, the Blake Snell deal and, and what it means for 2021 and everything, but Ulysses and I have had this discussion ongoing with ourselves and with some of the listeners out there about what that trade means and, and really what their other moves this, this offseason means for this 2021 group. Of course, not bringing back Charlie Morton, trading Nate Lowe, trading Blake Snell, and um, trading Jose Al- Alvarado, and, and not bringing back some of the, the players that were contributors on their World Series team. And, and I know just kind of looking at it from afar, because you don't necessarily watch this team every day, but where do you see this team as it currently stands right now in 2021? Do you see them as, as being able to get back to the World Series, or it's going to take another couple years once these prospects get some experience and, and get some innings or at bats under their belt. Like what, what are you seeing from what, what are you, kind of your expectations for this race team in 2021? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause it, you look at the, the farm system, you know, at least with Patino now, is he going to be Blake Snell caliber? No, but you know, could he down the line be somewhere close to that? Maybe. Um, I mean, I don't know if Patino ever win a Cy Young award, but I think he could be a really, a really good piece Will he be ready this year? I think at some point he will. And that's where it's going to be interesting because, you know, let's say the Rays are in the thick of it halfway through the season or, you know, a little bit deeper into it. And Patino is just carving up double A hitters. Then maybe you say, okay, he's ready to come back again and get a shot in the big leagues. Now you got some reinforcements. Uh, when you look at the rest of the team though, I mean, they get Mejia that could fill in as a bat. Uh, the, the rest of the ball club, I mean, it's not too changed, right? I mean, I think that the, Rays very much just have that next man up approach, right? And and yeah, you lose Blake Snell, but maybe you hope that Glass now takes an extra step now and can be that guy through the duration of the season. Uh, can that kind of happen to pick up some of the slack? Does Patino get called up to pick up some of the slack? Morton was was not really sharp until the very very end of the season, right? And you you made it that far if you're the Rays, pretty much in the regular season without Morton doing much. Uh, of course it hurts, especially he's like the most clutch pitcher of all time. Uh, but overall, I don't think the Rays are going to be much further off from, from where they were. And, and I think that they're going to continue to produce. The big question is, and, and I think this is a really fair question is, you know, is Randy Rosarena like that guy that we saw in the postseason? Of course, I don't think anybody is going to sustain what we saw, uh, 
in that postseason because that was just ridiculous. But, you know, is he even close to that in the duration of a full uh, regular season? I think he has the skills to be. I think he has the ability to be. But I can promise you the league is is going to be game planning for Randy Rosarena a little bit more than they were, you know, going into that postseason and in the end of the regular season. And, and, you know, how does he adjust to that? I think I talked about it with you guys last time where it's like the big thing for me when it comes to looking at players after a really solid rookie season where they hit that wall at the end a little bit, it's all about that second adjustment, adjusting to how the league adjusts to you. And that's where guys either hit the wall like Chris Coughlin, old Marlins friend, or they, you know, continue to have success. And a lot of them will hit the wall and then figure it out and make that adjustment. A Rosarena, you know, is there going to be some, some struggles there? I think he's polished enough to be okay. But those are some of the questions I think that are really big. Uh, Zanino, can he give you any value behind the dish? If not, can Mejia be that guy that you plug in and all of a sudden surprises you? Like, there's so many questions there. And I think when you look at this trade with Blake Snell, uh, it helps them for the future. But you wonder if any of those guys can, mostly just being Patino and Mejia, can they help them in the short term or at least by the end of the season? And I think that's going to be a big factor. Because otherwise, there's not that many prospects that are that are really knocking on the door that can make a major, major impact. Of course, Wander Franco is a superstar in the making, but you don't want to rush that guy. And the Rays never rush anybody. And that's where it's going to be interesting to see when he makes that debut and that as well. I mean, if he's hitting 350 in double A, then you know, maybe you bring him up too. But who knows? I feel like it's a very fluid situation. But I, I, I would not expect the Rays to miss too much of a beat. A little bit, but not too much. Uh, you know, now that you're talking about, you know, this the transition year being still hopeful, and this is nice to hear, uh, obviously, on this podcast to, to know that maybe uh, you think that the Rays are doing well. But uh, I proposed this idea of windows of opportunity. Every team obviously has a different length of windows of opportunities. The Yankees seem like their windows of opportunity is every year, <laughs> no matter what. Uh, different teams have, you know, two years, five years, whatever it is. I kind of have this, you know, newfound theory uh, that the Rays are working on a three-year window approach. If we look at 2018, that college feel atmosphere that they had in the dugout that got 90 wins, Bilal, Adamus making uh, their their debut, it felt fresh. Uh, Wendell with a great season. Uh, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had the most war of any race player that year, correct? Uh, Position players, I believe, yeah, that year. Position player. So uh, great team, 90 wins. 2019, they get to the ALDS. 96 wins this year. They have the the AL pennant. They go to the world series. Is it fair to say that because of their deep farm system, they might want to step, uh, take a couple steps back and kind of become that 2018, uh, 18 team again and, 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 and be in the thick of it. Uh, maybe get in, sneak in, maybe, maybe not, but still be competitive enough that in the next year they're back in, in play of contention. Is that a fair theory, a three window of opportunity to always be kind of in the thick of things? Well, I think that's an interesting point because when I look at the moves that they make, you know, it seems like they almost want to make it this open window that, that never closes, right? Like if you hold on to Blake Snell through the duration of his contract and he goes to free agency, uh, you know, maybe you win in those two years in, in the remainder of his contracts. Maybe you don't, more likely you don't just because it's hard to win a title. And then you don't get any pieces for him. 
And I think that's the interesting thing about the Rays mold is they, they will tend to trade guys a couple of years into the contract when the contract's at peak value um, where you're going to get the biggest return you can possibly get. And I think when they're doing that, it, it's to almost create this larger window where when it does hurt short term, right? You can put all your chips forward and say, okay, we were just two games away uh, from winning the world series. Now let's make a couple moves and push all the chips forward and trade some prospects away and, and build this team up. But if it doesn't work now, your future is mortgaged. And I don't think the Rays like that because they're like, we're never going to be players in free agency. We do draft well, but the thing we do best is steal prospects from people that we see them undervaluing. I think that's, that's what the Rays do better than anybody in baseball. And that's what they play to their strength. Right. So I think when they have an asset, even though it hurts to let him go. I mean, I don't think the Rays front office was like super pumped about trading Blake Snell away, you know, and, and the contract wasn't even bad anyways. I think it was less about the money and more about the fact that they're like, okay, we have an opportunity here. We have a, a king that we can use here to, to get us a bunch of other pieces back uh, that we can identify as, as maybe more valuable than these teams identify as their own assets to themselves. And, uh, that's the Rays mold and it seems to work for them. Will win them a World Series? I don't know, but does it extend their window of opportunity? Definitely. And that's why they're always good. <laughs> they're never bad. Yeah. And, and speaking of that window of opportunity and, and trying to continue that window in 2021, what this means is you're going to, with the losses of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton and the fact that Yanni Torinos is going to be out for the year, several other pitchers as well. Some guys on the 40-man roster are going to have to step up. Uh, Shane McClanahan, I would presume, Brendan McKay, Brent Honeywell, um, even guys not on the 40-man roster. I, I've heard a lot of talk about Joe Ryan, and I know they added Drew Strotman to that mold as well, and, and of course, Patino. But um, Arm, out of this group, like I, I'm, I'm looking ma- mainly at these three names, Shane McClanahan, Brendan McKay, and Brent Honeywell. Which of those guys do you see having maybe the the best upside or the guy that you ultimately at the end of the day, maybe not just 2021, but will have the best career uh, going forward. You know, when we look back in 15 years, okay, this was the guy that, that, that really lived up to expectations or, or exceeded expectations. McClanahan, McKay and, and Brent Honeywell. Yeah. You know, that's a great question too, because when I was thinking about, you know, which prospects can make an impact in this coming year, I almost think of McKay as just a big leaguer already, because it feels like he's been up there for a while, just been hurt, banged up. Uh, That's the same story with Honeywell. Uh, McClanahan, we got a chance to see a little bit in the postseason, or at least in the end of the season. And he has an electric arm. I mean, absolutely electric arm. And, And that's a really good question. I think Honeywell, you, you got to keep that guy in the bullpen at this point. I think you, you, you're just trying to preserve his health and he is special with his stuff. He is a really good arm. I think you, you probably just count on that guy in the bullpen. And that's where you, you look at the Alvarado trade and they're probably figuring like one of Honeywell or McClanahan will plug into the bullpen and be able to be a back end guy. Uh, McKay, I really still like McKay. I, he's 25 years old, which is crazy. Time flies, but he was one of the better pitching prospects in all of baseball Uh, and and not much has changed other than the fact that he got hurt. Uh, I think he's going to come back. I think he'll be more than solid. I look at McClanahan as a guy that should have a chance to be a starter, but at the very least will be a lights out left on left reliever in the short term. And eventually you can ease him into the rotation. But I think that's a guy that can help you this coming year And Honeywell. If he's healthy, 
he's going to be able to plug in there too. I mean, you don't need to make him throw in the minor leagues anymore at this point. You know, it's not even worth it. You figure he has a finite amount of bullets in those arm and that arm, just have him go in the major leagues and see what happens. He's got the stuff. Uh, he's just going to see, you know, how that stuff looks after you know everything that's happened. Shane Baz, even he he's, hasn't had a chance to throw. And I was really excited to see him in 2020, but I could see Baz doing really well in double A if, if the command looks solid and, you know, that could be a guy that ends up making his way up quickly and helping as well. So I think when, when the Rays traded Blake Snell, they saw it as, you know, one of Luis Patino, Shane Baz, Shane McClanahan, Brandon McKay is going to make an impact at some point in the next year or two and you know, plug in for him. Or if multiple guys do, then the, the rotation becomes that much deeper. But to answer your question, my money would be on Brandon McKay. He's polished. He is, he's got multiple pitches for a strike. He's got good stuff, assuming that everything comes back, you know, the way it was before. And this guy was one of the, again, one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. They gave him a 60 grade fastball, 60 grade cutter, uh, an above average feel for his changeup and an, a solid curveball, and, and plus command. Like what, what else do you need out of a pitcher other than health? And that's just the big question for him. But if he's healthy, I, I think that he could be a solid number three starter in that rotation. And again, you, you're picking up some of the slack that you lost with Snell. Well, there we go, Ulysses. And, and that's the thing, like we, I'm not even sure with McKay this year, how much he's going to pitch because I know he's going to start the season on the IL and, and hopefully he'll, he'll be back at some point because the Rays are just, they need bodies, quite frankly, to, to right. be able to patch some innings if we're going to have a 162 game season or something similar to that. There is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust in the betting world, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, I'm just telling you right now, I've got my eye on the Buccaneers Saints game on Sunday evening where the Saints are favored by three. Just keep an eye on that one on betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It just doesn't make any sense at all. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Aram, I know it's still fresh in everybody's mind. It's not totally raise related, but uh, the Francisco Lindor trade, it finally happened. Him going to the New York Mets 
Carlos Carrasco also going over there. Uh, and then, of course, what the Cleveland Indians got. What, what's kind of your, your overall read, your, your overall take on this, this uh, blockbuster trade that happened? Yeah, you know, it was one of those situations where the Indians had no leverage. Everybody and their moms knew that they weren't going to pay them. And when you don't have that leverage, you're not going to be able to get very much back. And he was coming off of a little bit of a downer year. I don't think that really affected the value too much. I think it was more that he wanted out. They weren't going to pay him. And whoever was going to acquire him was going to still have to pay him upwards of $300 million, $250 million. So that's already a select few uh, number of teams there. And then given the financial restrictions of COVID-19 and and everything that goes into that, it, it's an even smaller list. So I think given the circumstances, the and I just recorded a podcast on this before uh, earlier today, this morning, the, the Indians actually came out okay. I really believe they did. And I'd love to see if there were any other offers on the table, what else was there, uh, and, and what they decided to choose there. I think that, you know, the, the two middle infield guys, we're talking about an outfield with the Indians that was one of the most anemic uh, offensive outfields in all of baseball. And now you're replacing, you know, one of the best offensive shortstops in baseball with uh, Andres Jimenez, who I, I really do like, I, I do like Jimenez, but uh, you know, that's a light hitter. He, he's a plus fielder, gold glove caliber shortstop, but a relatively light hitter. Ahmed Rosario, he's probably going to plug in a second. He's kind of a light hitter. So now you have a, a middle infield that's at best, you know, going to probably put up a 750 OPS each. And then, you know, all of your offense is coming from Jose Ramirez. That's one of those instances where you look at a trade and you're like, there's no way they're trying to win right now. Like there's no way that they made that trade to still try to remain competitive. They can say they did, but they went with the upside with the third and fourth pieces there. You know, that they go get a Josh Wolf who was just basically kind of that, not on the caliber of Cole Wilcox, but that kind of deal where he was an overslotted second round pick and they're betting on the upside. We haven't even seen him really throw much at all, but they're betting on the upside there. And then Isaiah Green, another guy, third round pick last year. I like him, but he's a high schooler that just got drafted and we haven't seen. So it's volatile again. We don't know, but it's upside. And in a trade like that, if you can get some upside, it's, it's worth a shot. But I think when you see the Darvish deal, and again, none of these guys are worth nearly what, what Snell is worth. But when you look at the Darvish deal, you look at, at this deal for Lindor, you look at some of these other trades, it's a buyer's market. It's 100% a buyer's market prospect-wise. And I think that's why the Rays came out better than uh, I think a lot of people made it out to be early on, you know, just because everybody was, was undervaluing Patino. I think they were undervaluing Wilcox. So, and now when we look at it, I think it's a pretty nice return. And, you know, when, when you're answering your question to answer your question about you know, how I think the Rays are going to look this coming year and who can help them. I was just thinking about the trade and I thought it was kind of pertaining to that. But when you look at the, the system, they've got plenty of guys, like you mentioned with your question with McClanahan, with, uh, Patino eventually with McKay, hopefully once he's back and healthy, even Vidal Bruhan, I think his hit tool is going to get him up there by the end of the year too. Um, and so there's reinforcements coming and you figure one or two of those guys hits, you start to feel it a little bit less and you have the younger guys in the system that you got in the deal that are, that are going to be pretty solid. I think the Rays, when you look at all the deals, yes, they gave up the most value, but I think they got far and away the most value in return uh, relative to, to what you're trading away. Selfishly, uh, when <laughs> this Mets trade went down, I was really, really ecstatic. Uh, not because, you know, Lindor, I like the Mets or whatever. It was just because the focus on 
the the Tampa Bay Rays as the cheap organization, which uh, you know to some extent it, it's correct. Uh, you know they, the, that focus, the spotlight wasn't on them for, for, for once. It was on the Cleveland Indians. So I do have to say that I was actually really happy that this trade went down, Kevin. Thank you, Cleveland, helping us out a little <laughs> bit. And at least the Rays are going to be able to compete. Like yeah. as much as we're kind of bashing them, or we have bashed them in the past for saying that, you know, we don't think they're necessarily going to be a world series team in 2021. I mean, uh, they, they're far and away going to be, I think in better shape than the Indians and, um, Aram, uh, last question on my end. And I, I think it's only fair because you have talked so much raised baseball and prospects and everything like that. You are also the host of the locked on Marlins podcast. So I think it's fair to give a question regarding our uh, citrus series rivals here. Um, first off, uh, what are your thoughts so far on the Marlins offseason? To me, it doesn't seem like they've done a lot. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just masked by the, the Lindor trade and, and all the other moves that have gone in and on in baseball and with the Rays and everything. Secondly, do you, would you like to see them uh, make a splash at Yasiel Puig? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a good question to answer. Question number one, um, I go to bed most nights thinking, what the hell am I going to talk about tomorrow for lockdown? <laughs> so I, it, it's been a very boring off season. I, I've seen Marlins fans kind of grow a little bit, uh, you know, like frustrated with it and with the complacency, but, but I get it. You know, when you look at teams like, like the Rays and, and the Marlins and when they have an opportunity to add, you know, they'll do it, but they can't afford to miss. So when, when their margin for error is so small, you got to be patient. And I think the Marlins, they got to be patient and they're looking for a bat and right field. I, I would love Puig personally, but I think a big deal of the value for Puig is putting butts in seats and, and the Marlins don't do that very well. And Puig would be a big driver of that. And I think that's where a lot of the value would come from. And given that that would probably not really be possible this year, unfortunately, or at least in a limited capacity, um, that's a little bit of values, you know, being, taken away there if we're looking at as a baseball player though it's pretty astounding to me that he gets so overlooked I get it he, he's a headache he's he's a, got a lot going on there um but I think in the right situation where it's younger players and we'll say oh no he's a bad influence whatever I don't think he's like a bad dude I, I think if he's in a, in, a, in a situation where he's actually the older guy I think he could actually be a a, a nice piece and I think he'd actually be I feel like I'm treating him like a toddler but I think he'd be behaved <laughs> You know, and, and I think being close to home and the Cuban, you know, population and everything, I think he would really embrace right. it. I would love it. I would love it. I really would. And I saw them floating Adam Duvall and I was like, ah, no, no, thank you. Uh, I would much <laughs> rather prefer like Yasiel Puig. I, w- I wouldn't mind a trade for like Cole Calhoun or, or something like that. I think that would interest me. And I think they need to do it because I think there's got to be pressure on this organization to prove. And everybody thinks that last year was a fluke, you know, and it probably was. But the Marlins organization is going to play it off the best they can right now and say, this is what we were building. This is what we told you was going to happen. It happened a little quicker because it was a shortened season. But like, we've been building something. Are you paying attention? Like, they literally were saying that. Like, I think I literally got a memo. Like, are you paying attention? It's like, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> and and like, it says it everywhere. It's all the local news stations, like best story in sports or whatever. So like, they were really playing it up. And I don't blame them for it because nobody watches the games and nobody goes to the games. Like they're trying to do something here, but if you want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke and you want to keep the fans that you just won over and what was a magical season, you got to do something. And right now, uh, Ross Detweiler is not going to cut it. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I, I did notice that. Yeah, Ross Detweiler, that's your yeah. your A signing over there. Yeah, that, that's funny because I, when I think of Adam Duvall, I know he's put up some good numbers here and there, but that just screams boring to me. And like, even mm-hmm. if he had a much better season than Puig, like Puig, like you said, is going to put butts in the seat. And he's an excitement factor. You, getting he'd be on Sports Center. He he get the publicity, which is you would think is what the Marlins need, yeah. right? And they were that exciting team already. You know, it's, it's like this young, exciting team that people are like, okay, how did they do this or whatever? And now you just throw Yasiel Puig in there, and it's just it's just fun. <laughs> and and they have a few really fun guys like Jazz Chisholm is really good for you know the fans and uh, very outward like personality, fun guy. Monte Harrison. Also really cool dude, fun guy. Uh, I would like it if they could both hit a little bit better, but you know, they're, they're cool, marketable, like fun and personalities where at least if the Marlins are like kind of losing and not doing as well, if they're this likable team that has these explosion games, which is what they would have if, if those, all those guys were in the same offense, you know, you could deal with that team going below 500 and what is the best division in baseball. And, and you'll, you know, deal with it just because they're competitive. They got fight. They've got a little spunk in them. And and that's, I think they need to adopt that personality because you know what? They're not going to keep up with the Braves. They're not going to keep up with the, even the nationals. They're not going to keep up with the Mets. I think they'll maybe keep up with the Phillies, but that's about it. And you know, if you're not going to actually compete, compete, at least have that electric fun type of team that just is, is a pain in the ass for everybody in the NL East that, that they don't want to face just because they don't know what they're going to get. Well, you already have that, though, the, the marketability with that starting rotation. I mean, me and, me and Kevin were talking about those young arms are really good. And the Rays saw them. And and they're tough. They're, they're Alcantara, tough. Pablo Lopez. I mean, they've got the arms to kind of build uh, a good young team. And so when you're getting that, are you paying attention? Well, from Tampa Bay Rays fans, we're paying attention. That rotation is really good. And it's, a great it's starting going to point. get way better. And I will say too, speaking of that rotation, I see some similarities in Luis with with Luis Patino and Sixto Sanchez. I do see some similarities Ooh. there. I'd, I, the, I would say Patino is better with the swing and miss. Uh, Sixto is better with the command. But when we talk about electric stuff and we talk about you know, smaller guys that get the most out of it and, and work off of their secondary stuff too, which is start off the fastball, they both are are pretty similar and. and I think that's a pretty fair comp. And yeah, I, I love the electric pitching. Uh, I think that's what they got to really work off of and just add a couple bats here. And, you know, if you have good starting pitching, as the Rays just showed us, if you can somehow get to the postseason, you can ride two, two and a half arms, really, <laughs> you know, like mostly two guys all the way through. Um, and at least that'll give you a good shot in every series. You start, you start two and oh, uh, you got a good shot to win that series. So I, I think the Rays mold is a really good one for the Marlins. You hope that you can back your way into some good bats here and there, like the way that they were able to pick up a Rose Arena, the way they were able to, you know, get guys like Brandon Lowe and and get some guys like Kevin Kiermaier, just identifying talent and then having that good rotation. Uh, I think the Rays are like a, a big brother to the Marlins in a lot of ways. Yeah, I could watch those guys, Sixto Sanchez, Alcantara all day. Like they're just so fun and exciting to watch. There were times where they, I mean, totally befuddled the Rays hitters, but still fun to watch in that sense. Well, uh, 
Aram, thank you so much for the time and all the insight and analysis. Uh, I'm sure our Locked On Rays listeners will appreciate it and learned a thing or two or three or more uh, on uh, these episodes here. Um, finally, is there anything you want to promote or, or throw out there? We, we know uh, you're the host of the Locked On Marlins podcast and Locked On MLB Prospects, but any uh, upcoming or, or previous episodes or anything on social media you want to kind of throw out there, the, the floor is yours to do that. Oh, awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm going to be doing a, a lot more uh, breakdowns through systems. I already did the raise. So I know I plugged that one last one last time. Um, and I'll have some draft coverage coming up soon as we'll be talking about that. And uh, I think the Rays might be making some more moves. So <laughs> next time the Rays make a move, obviously I check out, you know, first stop's got to be locked on Rays. But if you want to start hearing about, you know, the, the Dominican summer league guy or whatever that, that you never heard of, Definitely come to Lockdown or Lockdown MLB Prospects because that, that's what I love to do. And uh, maybe Kiermaier is on the move. I'm not wishing that on you guys, but it does give me something to talk about. That that was going to be my question was, are you hinting yeah. at Kevin Kiermaier there? Like, is, is it, we, I thought it was going to be at New Year's that he, they, they were going to make this terrible timing and, and ruin our, our vacation and make us record an episode. But I guess, is that the guy you're, you're do you think he gets dealt this offseason? I have no sources that tell me that, but uh, I think, honestly, my gut feeling is they hold on to him. Uh, that's my gut okay. feeling. I think they hold on to him. Um, and Are you sure Steve Cohen is not going to be yeah. calling anybody down <laughs> yeah. here in Tampa Bay? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think you guys – I think uh, what we're seeing now is is where they're going to roll with. I, I really believe it, and, and we'll see. But I'm excited to watch the Rays because I feel like there's a lot of guys that – uh, could either take that next step next year or come back to earth a little bit like Wendell and Rosarena and Lowe and all those guys. So I, I'm excited and just have it be known that I'm always a secondary Rays fan. I'm always rooting for my Florida team. Uh, so I, I'm excited to watch this year. Likewise. And if and when the Rays move to Montreal or some other city, I will be watching a lot more Marlins game. That is, yes. that is a promise <laughs> there. So all right. We once again want to thank RM Layton for joining us on the show and be sure to check out his podcast, Locked on MLB Prospects and Locked on Marlins for more content from him. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Rays. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we'll talk to you on Friday.